Like if you're drinking coffee, you could be hanging out with your mates, having a good time. No problem whatsoever. Yep. And then you just drink too much coffee, you're done. Whatever they're doing, you don't want to do that anymore. You want to just go out and start fucking jumping and like start being productive and start doing shit. It's weird. It's weird. Coffee for writers? That's why coffee for writers is really good. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if you're attending on writing that day, then yeah, I'm the coffee. But it's just like, I had no intentions on doing anything but getting through the day. <laughs> I just wanted to get through the day, and I never experienced that much caffeine. Like, I've done Red Bulls. I've done yeah, Monsters. Right. I've done, you know, I'm, I've experienced caffeine before. I know, yeah. I'm know about caffeine. But, but not, but that was, a, that that was, like, that was it, caffeine. Man, it d- doesn't stop. Like, you can, you can smoke a certain amount of weed, and then it's just like, you can't get any higher. At some point, you're just wasting weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like nothing, nothing is really happening. But with this caffeine trip, I was like, okay, you know, for four cups, basically. And it was like, I'm feeling pretty wired. It's like, you can't go, I'm, my figure is just a plateau, plateauing point. You can't go much further than this. Caffeine, no says him. This motherfucker <laughs> is like, I'm, I'm going to kick it up another notch. If you want to drink another another coffee, I'm gonna take you there. <laughs> you know, it, I'm just like well, I'm not. I don't have the experience with this drug. Right, you know, to yeah. where it's just like I, I don't. It's, it's so wild, man. This that caffeine is so fucking legal. Caffeine, it's a hell of a drug. It's a hell of a goddamn drug. <laughs> like, man, you it's will like, be tweaking. It's like alcohol. Like, you know, yeah. like alcohol is one of those like. Like alcohol is way mm-hmm. more fucked up than a, like, a lot of oh, yeah. other things. Oh yeah. People are just like, yeah, let's do that one. Yeah, we're gonna do let's it. Do that one instead. We're gonna do it. It's, it's, but it was what was just wild to me is just like they they're at least like try to regulate things. Like I'll see commercials like yeah, drink responsibly right, and yeah. you know stuff like that and like the smoking. They're trying like nope, this isn't healthy. But it's like I haven't heard a downside of coffee at all. Nah, they, they fucking glorify coffee. Yes, Starbucks is just like, do you want liquid gold? <laughs> Here you fucking go, drink our coffee. <laughs> yeah. Double shot of espresso. We yeah. have a blonde one now. Mm-hmm. And not only that, we put a fucking milkshake in it. Yeah, and it's just like yeah, fucking sign me up immediately. Yep, yep. <laughs> it, it, it's wild to me. Like I'm, I'm enjoying it, but it was just like just stepping into the world, and it's just like nobody. This doesn't need to be regulated at all. <laughs> yeah. Like that, you should only be able to consume so much caffeine within a day. Yeah. Like they don't even have any rules for that at but all. The interesting thing about caffeine is that you need an ungodly amount of caffeine mm. to even kill you. You need something Shit. like. You need something like 360, I think, milligrams of caffeine. Yeah. And your average dose of caffeine doesn't even pass the 10 milligrams. Mm. You know? So it's just kind of like, what? You can yeah. just drink fucking coffee. You can just keep all going. <laughs> You'll be all right. Your heart will feel weird. And yeah. you'll wake up feeling like cold sweats the next day. Just mm-hmm. going like, oh, my God, did I have a heart attack? But yeah. other than that, you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking wild. Oh, man, it is. Um, I guess I should start the show. Yeah. Welcome back to the Fulfillment Podcast, everybody. My name is Brandon Sheet, and I'm here with... Chris Lucky. And today, we're going to be talking about Zombieland. But yeah, before yeah. we do any of that, ketchup, condiments. You probably got a little bit of a, a little bit snippet of, about the, the coffee conversation. Yeah, man. <laughs> talking uh, about coffee, mm-hmm. since they're going to hear it. Talking about coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I, I used to go to Starbucks, and I used to yep. get a white chocolate mocha frappuccino right. with, a vanilla, with a vanilla shot. Mm-hmm. Right? First of all, that's got like 600 grams of sugar. Yeah, lots of sugar. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But now I feel like every time I go to Starbucks, I just get the drip coffee. It's just like the, the generic, like, okay, yeah, yep. push a button, coffee comes out yep. kind of coffee. And like, I started doing that, and I think it was out of spite at Starbucks mm. because everyone around me, every time we went as a group, was ordering this the like, same fucking thing. complicated, like, yeah, give me like three shots of espresso mm. and then like one shot of like dragons come. And like, it's just, and you're just yeah. kind of like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, what happened? Like, yeah. The culture got so excessive mm-hmm. with all the drinks that happened that I think out of spite, I just, just like, like, you know what? I'm going to fucking get the bitter black fucking coffee that you have back yeah. there. 
that nobody gets because everyone thinks it's too good for them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're too good for They're it. too good for the coffee. Yeah. Too good for black coffee, yeah. I want fucking coffee. Mm. And not only that, everybody spends like five, seven bucks on average Sheesh. at Starbucks. I spent $2.45 at Starbucks because I I'm, get the drip coffee. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm upset that a coffee, a black coffee costs $2 and like 50 cents. Yeah. For a, a black coffee, no a sugar, black, no cream, just ground coffee and yeah. water. Yep, yep. Two thousand and eighteen. Yep. Like I this, mean, I'm upset by it too. No, I mean it's a lot. It's hell of a yeah. lot cheaper than the alternative. Right. But it's like I just I never heard that price point yeah. because like like when I was fifteen working at McDonald's, nineteen ninety nine, a coffee was seventy cents. Yeah. Yeah. 70 cents. And that's how it should be. It's fucking, it's fucking ground coffee beans and water. Yeah. And it's not even like a luxurious coffee. Like if it was like, if you were selling me like a coffee that was like roasted in the hands yeah. of like a Chinese dog, <laughs> then I'll pay $2 and fucking 45 cents sure. for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, but it's just like generic ass coffee. It's coffee beans yeah, <laughs> and water and hot water. Like, all right. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. yeah. So, you, but uh, hmm? I'm not spending $7 like yeah. everybody else. In comparison. Starbucks. In comparison, um, yeah. Uh, so, you know. Fucked up. They they have. <laughs> I, I've been buying a re, like I went to the store and got this uh, huge coffee creamer, mm-hmm. huge like a half gallon type tub of this yeah. shit. And one of them was Oreos, uh, like cookies, not cookies creamer, just Oreos. Right. And the other one was Reese cups. Oof. I mean, you just pour that shit into your coffee. You got like a milkshake coffee, man. That's that oh. actually. I don't like Reese cups. Mm-hmm. I think they're you don't like Reese cups. Nah, I think they're a bullshit you, chocolate you, candy. You don't like Reese cups. You don't like Reese cups. I don't like Reese cups. You don't. Hold on. Maybe I'm not asking it the right way. <laughs> what? Like, like the regular, like the Reese cups, the circular ones, yeah. the chocolate on the outside, got yeah. the peanut butter on the yeah. inside. Yeah. Those don't things. Like, don't like them. Don't like them. What about the like the Reese's ones, like the little candies, the small candies, the hard I candies? Mm, I don't like them either. Oh no. I just don't like peanut butter. Like I'm not a peanut butter oh, guy. Oh no. You know? Those are so good, man. They're they're okay. I've never heard anybody not like Reese cups. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I get that reaction all the time. I said it. Hey, you oh. want a Reese's cup now? I don't really like them. Uh, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> you don't like Reese's cups? No. <laughs> well, yeah. All right, that is news to me. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. Okay. They're okay. Like we. Were... I will never <laughs> seek out a Reese's cup. Yeah, okay. But if I need candy mm-hmm. and there's a Reese's cup on the table yeah. and there's not a Hershey's anything next to it, yeah. Then I'll eat the fucking Reese's cup. Okay. But I won't enjoy it. I mm. won't just be like, man, this is a really good Reese's cup. So I'll just okay. be like, this is a it's, mediocre it's a candy. block of chocolate mm. with an even more mediocre center of peanut oh butter. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No. <laughs> of all the candies, the Reese's reign supreme. For this Halloween, I bought nothing but Reese's cups. <laughs> there was no variety whatsoever. If you were coming to my house, <laughs> you, you were getting, getting you Reese's were getting Reese's cups and you were gonna like it. You know, but unfortunately it didn't go down that way right. as I ended up eating those Reese's cups. That, that's usually and, what would happen. And making many milkshakes of Reese's <laughs> cups. <laughs> yes. And I was like, you know, like you waiting around for trick-or-treaters, they're taking all damn night, you got all this candy, and you're already eating some of it as you're waiting anyway. Right, but right. after a while, it's like, well shit, there's only like 15 pieces left anyway. It's like, what can they do with that? You know, it's like you might as well finish that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the really awesome thing is that your house you can clearly see from the outside yep. in you can clearly see inside oh so yeah i'm just picturing like a bunch of trick-or-treaters <laughs> just about to ring on your doorbell and seeing you just fucking yeah, just, <laughs> the goddamn Reese's. <laughs> just going in on the Reese's cups and then you answer the door and they're just like there's nothing here and there's nope. like a crumb of Reese's falling mm. off your face yes Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Did you did you do anything for Halloween this year? I didn't do a goddamn thing. You didn't dress up as shit. Didn't no, you? I forgot it was Halloween, man. Oh yeah, I genuinely forgot. I was yeah. just 
thinking about shit. It was definitely it was Halloween. I um I went to a Halloween party and I seen one of my friends that I haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. And every time I see this guy, like I see him like once every like two months or so. Mm-hmm. Every time I see him, he's like, I don't know if you know this about me, but um. I, I've, I've always had a bit of a drug problem, you know, but I've been sober for the past two weeks. Right. And, and then I was like, every time I see him, like, like every time I see him, I get that speech. Like that speech. Yeah. And it's upsetting to me because every time I see him, I'm looking to do some of those drugs, <laughs> you know? And every time I see him, he's like, he tells me about his drug problem and that how he's not doing those drugs. Right. So I'm kind of torn. It's like, well, good for you. It's like, yeah, because <laughs> you, know, you don't want, you, you know, that's a weird spot to be in. Yeah. Because you clearly don't have a drug problem. So uh, you or, can, or you clearly very much do, but right. you clearly don't have it under control. Right, 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 right. No, mm. but I'm talking about you. Like, oh, no, you no, as yeah. A, like, yeah. You as a person, like, yeah. you clearly don't have a drug problem. No, no. So you're kind of like, I can handle that drug tonight. Yeah. But then he's there mm-hmm. and he clearly can't handle that drug tonight. Nope. So you're kind of just like, am I an asshole? I <laughs> you know, this? you know, like he's, I mean, he's, I mean, it's just like, like shit, man. So like, I'm out out there, but it's like the comparison made me think about this, um, this guy, uh, he, he's a weed dealer mm-hmm. and I've been seeing him for probably like 10 years. <laughs> like that. you say seeing him? Yeah. Like I've been seeing, seeing him. Very similar relationship. <laughs> you know, so I've, I've been seeing him for like 10 years now and, um, he's very reliable, you know, he's, he's super cool. And, like a couple of months ago, he he had his he had, his, he, had his, he got a girlfriend. It got serious though. Mm-hmm. The girlfriend shit got serious, and then he got a real job, and the real job got serious. Right, and then he stopped selling weed. So now you don't have a weed guy. Oh, but it's like one yeah. side is just like, oh, good for you. You know, you got a job and you're settled down with your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, but you also feel bad because like, fuck, like now what am I going to do? You know, that's what's like what I felt like with that friend. It's like I go there. I'm like, oh, good for you. You're sober. Oh, good. Fuck. <laughs> you know? God damn. Oh, good. You know, he's going to start a family. You're going to, you know, be a legit member of society. Fuck. I got to find you know? a weak guy. Yeah. That's, a, yeah. that's a weird line to write on. Yeah. yeah. It's just weird shit, man. Yeah. But what did what, you do instead of the uh, Halloween? I think I was at school working. Oh, nice. Probably. Yeah. Uh, I recently did, like, oh, no, I know what I was doing. Uh-huh. I was doing, I was on an editing crunch time. Mm. Oh, I yeah. Was, I had a gig. Yeah. And it was like a, it was it wasn't a big payout, but it was like a sizable payout for a lot of music. That's still something, hell. Um, so I was just like, all right, then I'll just I'll fucking do that for. And I'm I'm also shooting Mr. Clean, so mm-hmm. like that week, like the week that you helped me in the shoot, mm-hmm. and then this week, yeah. it's just like everything sort of like compacted itself into a bullet. Yeah. And then someone just like Hadouken that bullet yep. at me. Yep. And then I had to be like, I had to like knee on my way out of that. Shit. Oh. Um, it was just like, that was a lot of metaphor for simply. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with stressed. you. I'm with you. Um, but yeah, no, like it was a lot of shit just combined into one. And then someone just fucking yeeted it at me and I had yeah. to deal with it. Yeah. And like, it, I, I was editing from Monday night mm. to Wednesday morning. Essentially, yeah. Uh, like between like everything else, I had to do between the way, yeah. and it was just like by fucking the time that I was done on Wednesday, I was just like I was dead. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. absolutely dead. Yeah. And then the job paid me, and I went to buy Red Dead Redemption Two. That's what I was yes, playing. Red Dead Redemption Two. Like yeah. I've been seeing this all over the internet, all over damn uh, Twitter. Hear nothing but like I've seen memes of like uh, play Red Dead Redemption Two for two hours, and now he's like sitting on a horse <laughs> with like a sheriff <laughs> thing. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> So like, my favorite one, it's just like a kid like had to go to work and mm. he's just like sitting in a work office wearing a cowboy hat 
And then they just swim it on his face. And he just goes like, I just want to play cowboy with my ma- with my partners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fucking, it's super fun. It's okay. super fun. Uh, the Red Dead is, I played the original Red mm-hmm. Dead. I fucking love that shit. Nice. I was all in that. One of the most excellently well-written stories I've ever like, played through. Yeah. I don't know anything. I don't know a lot about the story of Red Dead Two yet because mm. the game is so expensive and it's so. I hear it's huge. Yeah. Um, that I've played approximately three hours of that game. Okay. And I'm on chapter two, like what would be a chapter two of the campaign. Yeah. And I'm still not clear what Arthur Morgan's character is. You know. That's the main like character. He's an, yeah, he's an, okay. he's, he's an outlaw, mm. and he's uh, he's sort of trying to make a living and living in like the American. You know, like the, it's, this is happening during the expansion westward. Okay. Um, so it's like everything, it's a prequel to the first Red Dead. So mm. like there's less civilization, it's more wild. It's, yeah. it's, we're expanding west. But I'm not entirely sure what's happening yet. I yeah. just know that we had a job and the job went wrong. And then we are running away because the job went wrong. Okay. That is the point that I'm at in the campaign. Yeah. And I, I kind of, I'm predicting things that are going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't really know. And I'm excited that I don't know mm-hmm. um, because it's like one of the, f- the first few games that you can just sit down and play. And just let it happen. And then you can like absorb the story mm-hmm. and now you, and then you just kind of like ride around and have some fun and shoot some things. And yeah. it's great. It's great. Um, but it is very like compared to the first Red Dead, it is mm. very slow. I hear. Yeah, it's a very slow paced yeah. game. And I'm kind of into that. I like the is, slowness of it. Are there like uh, gold prospectors and like, can you dig? I mean, because I'm thinking like, and can you take over land? Uh, yeah, well, you sort of have a camp settlement and, and you're, you're, as you're moving towards west because the job went wrong in the east and mm. you're moving away from that town and you're moving west and you set up a camp and then you sort of hang out there and then yeah. you donate money to the camp and you mm. build the camp and and do all of that shit um, while you're trying to, like, stay alive. And yeah. you're interacting a lot with, like, other characters, and it feels a little bit more real okay. than the other characters. Like, that's what it really feels like. Like, in Red Dead 1, you kind of, like, talk to a character, mm-hmm. and then you start at a mission, yeah. and then the mission delivers story to you, but the, the world and the missions yeah. felt slightly disconnected. I got you on that. But yep. in this one, it's kind of like, oh, you're in the world and you talk to this guy and because you talk to this guy, then you're going to get a mission because of that. Now you're in a mission. And yep. there's no really, like, you can't accept the mission. No, you're there, in it. There's like, oh, you talk to me. All right, yep. we're going home. <laughs> 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 yeah. So everything feels, very, it's like a gradient between mm. the real world and the campaign world. Okay. And it's really fun. It's really fun. The one thing I do have a problem with, and right. I have a problem with this in every fucking modern game Let's hear it. that's come out since, since Xbox One. Okay. And it's uh, the fucking movement. What about it? Because they try to make movement. When you play PS2, mm-hmm. if you move the stick forward, yep. your fucking guy moves forward. Yeah. That's it. No fucking around. Mm-hmm. But in every game after Generation Oh, eight, the players are so heavy, you The mean? players are so heavy because yeah. they want to emulate what real walking yeah. is and so, they want to nope. do this contextual walking mm-hmm. bullshit. And I'm just like, no, I want to walk. I'm <laughs> fucking I walking. Walk, yeah. I don't give a shit if there's a rock in my way. Let me bump into it. Yeah. Let me fucking just <clears throat> my head right into yep. that rock. I agree with that a thousand percent. I fucking Seriously. hate that shit. Yeah. So that is my only problem with the game yeah. so far. The shooting's fun. Okay. The weapons are satisfying. Nice. The game is fun. Yeah. I just wish that I could fucking move. Like I'm not a giant sack of flowers. <laughs> yeah. That is all that I want. Yeah. Every time I play a modern game, mm-hmm. that's not Japanese. The Japanese haven't done this shit. No. Fucking Japanese understand 
move forward, no fucking around. That's what I want. Yeah. A fucking but Western game developer is just like, oh, you want to move forward? Let me make you feel like you're wearing wet jeans. Yeah. They do that Fuck with you. sporting games, too. It pisses me off. Like, it really it's, does. it's so whack. Just, yeah. But yeah, but I'm having a great time with the game. Super fun. Hell yeah, I think man. You should try it out if you're like, like into the... And, and the campaign is really well presented. Like, you're yeah. watching a movie. Like, oh, nice. While the things are happening. Yeah. And they do this thing that not a lot of games do, um, which is when you put subtitles on, mm-hmm. the subtitles aesthetically match the presentation of the game. Oh, nice. The game. Yeah. Uh, a lot of games just kind of like... Yep, subtitles. generic subtitle bow is there. Um, yep. But in this one, like the game has a sort of brush strokey, old sepia tone mm-hmm. kind of aesthetic to it. Yeah. And the subtitles are always presented in like this brush stroke line. With, like, nice. It's nice. It's nice and nice. Like those little tiny things of presentations. Like, okay. It's really like... So I'm having a good time. Oh, yeah. with it. And I still want to play fucking Spider-Man. Hey, how long is... Oh, that's on Sp- uh, PS4. PS4. God yeah. damn it. Well, yeah. One time when you go out of town for an extended period of time, just uh, drop that bitch off in my house. I will, yeah. We'll be out of town for like a week. I'll just drop it off. Bet. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Straight up. Anyway, that's kind of all that I've been... I've just been consuming Red Dead. Nice. And then just trying to fucking... Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. this is weird that it's going to be a mics, but okay. we're watching uh, Body today, me and Smathers. Okay. Uh, at Vizart at 7. Nice. 30. Okay. Uh, you can buy your ticket at the Charlotte Film Society. And if you want to come with us, you're welcome to. Sounds great. Hell yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. All right. Well, yeah, I don't think I had anything else. Nah, just Halloween stuff. That was about it. Yeah. Just shoving all those mediocre Reese's pieces in your face? They were not mediocre at all. <laughs> they were awesome, man. They were so awesome. Oh, my goodness. I tell you, coffee and candy, mm. like, whoa. Like, Have you had the Reese's pieces mm? ice cream cake? No. Has that been a thing that you've had? No, I've had when, the Oreo ice cream cake, not yeah. the Reese's ice cream cake. When is your cake. birthday? August. August? Yeah. All right. I'll keep that in mind. Oh, yeah. I'll buy you a Reese's Pieces ice cream cake. I'll, I'll put it on my list for eight months from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like eight months from now in your, in your iPhone, you're going to get like, Brian's supposed to buy you cake. Yep. Send me, a, just don't say anything. Nope. Send me a screenshot of the reminder when it pops on your phone. Yep. Mind. You said, <laughs> <laughs> November the 3rd, 2018, you said you was going to give me the goddamn cake. I'm holding you to it. I'm not letting it go. I want the cake. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway, I think that's all I got. That's yeah. like uh, Zombieland. Let's get it. Shout out to him, son. Um, anyway, do you want to give us a rundown? Oh, I got to say, <laughs> fuck. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the For Film Sake podcast. Uh, let's talk about uh, Zombieland. Hey, uh, Zombieland. It's uh, rated R. came out in 2009. It's a science fiction adventure movie uh, with a runtime of one hour and 28 minutes. Uh, the rundown is, after a virus turns most people into zombies, the world's surviving humans remain locked in an ongoing battle against the hungry undead. Four survivors, Tallahassee, played by Woody Harrelson, and his cohorts, Columbus, played by Jesse Eisenberg, Wichita, played by Emma Stone, and Little Rock, played by Abigail Breslin, um, abide by a list of survival rules and zombie-killing strategies as they make their way towards a rumored safe haven in Los Angeles. Uh, the director is Ruben Fleischer? 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 <laughs> He's the guy that directed Venom. Okay. Uh, Ruben Fletcher is this where F L E I C H E R. I guess he's Flighter? Fletcher. Fletcher, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, uh, he's a, the Venom director. Uh, the writer is uh, Reed Reese and Paul Wernick. They're the writers from uh, Deadpool one and two. Okay. Uh, stars Jesse Eisenberg. Well, they they've already been listed in the rundown, so you already know who's in there. Yeah. Right, right, right. But that's them. Um, interesting. I didn't know that this was the Venom director. Yeah. And then I, I still saw... haven't seen. The, have you seen this Venom movie yet? No. 
After I, I understand, I think I understand, and I will go see Venom now, and I understand why people didn't like it because I, I think I do because from everything I've heard is Venom is cheesy, it's campy, it's not as dark and as Venom is supposed to be. Right. And then I'm like, oh, the director, director from Zombieland directed Venom, so you're going to get something in that vein. Right. So yeah. I'm like, okay, like I can watch that something a little more campy, fun, but just knowing that it's not going to be what I expect from Venom. Yeah. You know? Well, the thing that people expect Venom to be like this really dark, gritty character, mm. but he's just, he's a, he's cheesy, a guy. He's a, he's cheesy as fuck in the comic books. Like, I mean, he is. He's always been kind of funny and kind yeah. of cheesy. But anyway, that's beside the yeah. point. Yeah. Um, Zombieland. I think it's interesting now that I know that this guy directed Venom. Mm. It sort of makes sense to me too why also people didn't like the movie. Yeah. But it makes sense to me in a different way because mm. I did not like Zombieland. Wow. I did not enjoy this movie. That is, that is, yeah. wow. I got Very one surprising. laugh out of this movie. I got mm. maybe two laughs out of this movie. Mm. And it was when Bill Murray said Garfield, if he had any regrets. Yeah. And then when Woody Harrison wiped his face with money. Mm. <laughs> so the only real two laughs All that right. I got out of this movie. Well, I, I will carry the enjoyment portion of yeah. this uh, conversation today then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like I was, I was going to bash it. I, I was going to bash it in the sense that it's rated 90%. Yeah. So I was going to bash it that it's not a 9 out of 10, but it's still like a 7.5. So it's like... I'm going to have to change my stance yeah. here instead of bashing it because of how high people will praise it mm-hmm. since that's going to yeah, be no, your I'll stance. Yeah, yeah I'll like I, I'm going to go on the other <laughs> side of that. But yeah, um, I, I love this movie from the beginning of, of the movie till the very end, mm-hmm. like every second of it. And what I'm loving the, the, the most part, this reminds me specifically of a movie we've seen called uh, Idiocracy to where um, the world has just gone dumb, has gone stupid, and just a complete hyperbole of what society was but could very well become, and it's kind of like where we are now. You know, and this movie, I look at it as a metaphor for like, all right, so you have these these zombies. They're enraged. They're not alive. They're not dead, but they're bloodthirsty creatures with no regard for accountability, and they look to tear down anyone in their path with a pulse. And then the comparison to that is what we're seeing right now in society. You know, these people, like a, a zombie would be someone that is toxic or n- so negative. You know, that, and then you have all these rules to live in this society in order to survive these quote-unquote zombies. Right, right. The, uh, the very opening, the opening uh, words from uh, Jesse Eisenberg at the beginning, it's like, oh, America, I wish I could tell you this was still America, but I've come to realize you can't have a country without people, and there are no people here. Right. You know, and then that's like the comparison to like what I'm looking at now with where America is. It's like I would like to say this is a country, but are these people, are these human beings? Is like these are the equivalent to what this metaphor would be of them being zombies. And I'm loving like when you, when you break, we have a movie that immediately sets you up for these are the rules for this type of you know right. this society. It kind of takes. A lot of um, it takes it takes a lot of a lot of way to where I can't be like okay well you're wrong here you're wrong here you're wrong here like nope this is my these are my rules this we live within this yeah, yeah. so it's like I judge it based on your rules but I mean and 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 that the fact that this came out before damn uh, Scott Pilgrim it's like I, I, w- I would look at how you know how this movie was made and how you seen the the very first thing the uh, the cardio you yeah. know um thing and then that's, that's showing up in the middle of the parking lot and then he circle around cardio again ding ding oh yeah the text the, effects the text yeah, effects yeah yeah, 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 yeah it's like like this is this is before uh, Scott Pilgrum this is before a movie the um the baby driver right. you know so it's like these these in, and it was interactive like you would have a text effect on the screen and then a zombie interacting with it and flooring yeah. through it you know so I'm like these effects were state of the art in 2009 so I'm like 
to see that and see how people have taken from it since then mm-hmm. was another thing that I just really enjoyed looking at it again now. I think that is honestly the thing I like the most about the movie is that mm-hmm. text presentation yeah. with the rules. I think my, my biggest problem with this movie comes from the narrative standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like, I think J.C. Eisenberg is fine. Oh, yeah. Woody Harrelson is great. He's amazing, um, yeah. Emma Stone is also great. Yeah. And that little girl, Little Rock, was also mm-hmm. Um, so like performances, I can't really fault, and that was probably weird. Performances, I can't really fault anybody in the movie. Mm. Um, but my problem with it comes narratively, because uh, from the very beginning of the movie, we have J.C. Eisenberg sort of give us this monologue. It's like you know, America, these are people, mm. whatever. And then, and that's I'm okay with that monologue at that point. Yeah. But then J.C. Eisenberg starts telling us how he feels and how he thinks and mm. what his motives are and what his goals are yeah. throughout the entire film. And I'm just kind of like. Bored Show us, by yeah. It. Instead yeah, of like I'm, yeah, mm. I'm bored because it's happening and with a sort of B-roll footage. It's not necessarily anything. No, no, to I, I write I, I, about. Yeah, and it's just kind of like, well, just I want to see Jesse Eisenberg. Like, these see that so like these are the things where I have to go. I guess I got to go back and forth because these yeah. are the things to where I was tearing it down, just saying that this is not a nine out of ten. Right. Because I'm looking at things like from like I said narratively, like that's just one of the first things we learned in film school is don't tell me, show me. Right. You know, and he's just sitting here telling, narrating the entire thing. So it's like, yeah, like I have a number of things I would like to pick apart of it too, but it's just. And you if know. you tell me, make it interesting. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like because it's okay to break that rule, but mm-hmm. you have to like it's Fight Club. Breaks that oh, hell yeah. and they do but a it's one of the best narrations of all time sure is because we have an unreliable narrator mm-hmm. and I think that's the problem with Zombieland it's like mm-hmm. Jesse Eisenberg he's reliable it's definitely not yeah he's, mm-hmm. a reliable he's a reliable narrator, narrator. Yeah. so if he's telling us something why should I there's no tension because we know what's happening mm-hmm. you know so like and he's not unreliable so no. I have every reason in the to movie believe. to trust him yeah. and believe him yep. so when something happens I'm just kind of like alright well yeah of course that was going to happen yeah and until the only only time that he's unreliable is um, when he's given the rules of and then he breaks his own rule yeah. and uh, the don't be a hero right. and then it's like oh shit he's a hero now and I think they even made a point of that they have this oh cross that out don't yeah. be a hero it's just like okay this is where he's not reliable but I mean I, I definitely see what you're saying though and that, but that is an unreliability that's a character arc mm. for the movie like yeah. that's because I knew that yeah. the moment he said don't be a hero you knew that he was going to have to do that immediately he was going to be a hero oh yeah because he said it uh, he said it in the context of like trying to impress Emma Stone's character yeah. so the moment that that text popped on screen I was just like Emma Stone's going to get fucked up and then he's going to be a hero. Oh, yeah. And then that's just going to be the ending of the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, you can see the foreshadowing with the uh, yeah. the clown thing, too. Yeah. Earlier true. on, it was like the thing that Which I hate felt... worst of everything is clowns. Yeah. Which came out of nowhere to yeah. me. Like, I was just like, why the fuck did you mention clowns here? Like, is there not a more, more organic way to present the fear of clowns no, from this no, character? He's just scared like, of clowns. Like, couldn't you have been going through a gift shop and then suddenly a full body clown zombie prosthetic shows up? Possibly. And he yeah. fucking shits himself yeah. with it? Like, wouldn't that have been more effective than having a clown pop up in a puff of smoke under a bathroom stall? You know, it's just like, it's fucking <laughs> weird, man. I, like, I took, I took that as like a, um, like I said, I'll, I'll look at a lot of it as metaphor, but I took that mm-hmm. supposed to be a metaphor as like not to be getting caught with your pants down in the world of like toxic negativity that it's like you always have all of these rules and then at the, 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 the moment that you take your guard down mm-hmm. just to take a shit, just to take a piss, and then all of a sudden you're attacked, you know, and you're vulnerable. So like I, I didn't look at it as, as straightforward as there's a clown, you know, attacking you in the bathroom right. as like a metaphor of... I mean, I didn't think it was straightforward either as there's a clown attacking. It's just like it was a weird presentation. Because you could have had the same exact setup and have it actually be a clown zombie that he had to deal with. Mm. 
and it would have automatically injected some tension into the movie by stating that none of your characters are really that safe. And then you would have created the fear of clowns, and then it would have been a good callback to that later on. But instead, they kept the clown zombie at the end of another thing to mm-hmm. feel like he had to face his fear. And it just felt disconnected. It just I, felt weird. I don't think they were going for any kind of tension, though. Like, any tension, any horror. Like, it's zombie land, but, like, there's no tension or uh, any suspense or any anything that's going to keep you on the edge of your seat. Like, they mm-hmm. were going for the laugh and the, the fun more than anything else. And I guess I would, like, buy that, really. Like, I would really buy that mm-hmm. and agree with that if I had laughed. I mean, you know? that's, that's just your pr- pr- thing. <laughs> that, that is like, my I mean, it's like, uh, there's, this movie is but very funny. If, like, <laughs> if I had laughed at the clown, I yeah. would have just been like, okay, sure, they got away with it. Yeah. If I had laughed at, like, the sort of neurotic anxiety from Jesse Eisenberg, mm-hmm. then I would have just been like, all right, I, I get, like, I, like, I mm-hmm. get it. All right. But I'm that personality that Jesse Eisenberg is. Like, mm-hmm. I'm that neurotic, anxious personality. And for me, it just felt like someone watched an erotic guy go around his day mm. and then take notes of what he, they thought was funny with no real relevance it, as to how to make neuroticism funny, you know? The, here's, here's an example of it, and the only real tension, if you even want to call it tension at all, but it's just like, like I said, any, any, any kind of tension is just kind of false for me because mm-hmm. you know that this is a comedy. Right. And um, all right, so when Jesse Eisenberg meets... Uh, Tallahassee for the first time, and then he sees a car driving all by and has a three on there. I think that's like Dale yeah. Earnhardt or Dale Earnhardt Jr., whatever. You can <laughs> tell what kind of guy this is, you know, driving down in this black truck. And he takes out his shotgun and he puts up a moped. He gets behind the moped, takes a shotgun out, <laughs> and just shaking it. He's ready to defend himself. You know, he has his rules. He's, he's ready to do it. Woody Harrelson steps out, calm, cool, and collected. He's like, yeah, I'm very adept at surviving in this type of society. You know, I don't have the kind of rules that you have. You know, I live by a different principle. You know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different. He gets out and then they're just staring each other down shotgun to shotgun Woody Harrison just slowly pulls his out it was like <laughs> hey and they give a close-up on Woody at his face it's like hey man like I'll fucking blast you like I see <laughs> at this point I see that you're not a zombie and you see that I'm not a zombie yeah. we've been staring at each other for long enough so what you want to do what you want to do <laughs> and then Jesse's sitting there shaking his shaking oh shit oh shit hitchhike <laughs> hitchhike please please <laughs> he's like alright get in the car get in the car okay so it's three laps <laughs> you know, that part that he's, he's getting the car then so yeah. I was like alright I, I like that I like that a lot yeah. and um and Tallahassee with this goddamn um the snowballs like I've I've been quoting that for years since it first came out so like he's there there he's looking for twinkies it's just just something that he's always enjoyed since a child mm-hmm. the one thing that he could just have in this zombie infected world that could bring him a little bit of joy looking for these damn twinkies they finally found a hostess truck that's mm-hmm. crashed off in a ditch somewhere so it was like up oh, a glimmer of hope in this piece of shit shitty world <laughs> that i'm finally gonna be able to have a glimmer of hope mm-hmm. they go up they open it and it's filled with snowballs mm-hmm. and jesse eisenberg his character is like what score hell yeah <laughs> snowballs and he, he looks at him, he's like snowballs 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 where are the fucking twinkies Clemens is like i love snowballs tell us i hate coconut not the taste consistency <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like i rewind that shot so many times because you have jesse eisenberg in the background just enjoying himself it's like snowballs he's like yeah <laughs> yeah 
opening them up, eating them. <laughs> Snowballs. Yeah, they're fresh. <laughs> it was like fucking Woody Harrelson's throwing a goddamn fit. He's like stomping on all yeah. of them, pissed the fuck off. And it's just like these little things. It's like to where it's like I couldn't take it to a nine move because this is nonsensical to where yeah. we're following even something this small like a Twinkie thing all the way to the, the end of the movie. Yep. You know, to where this small little glimmer of hope thing in Twinkie. You know, but it's just like moments like that is just like. I don't know, like those made me laugh. Like I was, I thought those were pretty funny. Well, those are things. Those are the funny moments of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like for a comedy, it's just like it had so many, like so little jokes. You know what I'm saying? Like, like written jokes. There, like, I mean, not not written jokes. What about like um, when we meet Emma Stone and um, Abigail for the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, Abigail's sister, well, Abigail is pretending that she's been bitten, mm-hmm. you know. And then it was like, all right, well, um, somebody's gonna have to put her down. Yeah. So Woody Harrelson, he goes up with a shotgun. He was like, all right, points it at her face, and he's ready to blow her fucking brains out right, right. here, you know. And then the sister's like, oh, nope, nope. I'll do it. She takes a shotgun and then points it on Woody and then they take their guns, take their car and fuck them. It's like, what? The entire hill? It's like, that's not a joke, but it's just like, they look at their position. But that is a funny situation. That is a funny situation. And and the movie has got funny situations. I just really feel like they're played not to like, they're not visually interesting. The movie isn't visually interesting in Uh, terms of like, just... To me, like the the edits don't impl- the edits don't carry the humor. The the edits are not doing any of the work for the comedy. The this, dialogue isn't doing particularly amazing at carrying the comedy uh, either. Got it back to different like, dialogue. It's just Come like on. like they said they said some funny things, but it was like mostly for me it was Woody Harrelson the one that said the funny. Yes, he was. The, yeah. yeah, he was. He was the the, the comedy. He, he, like he brought all the comedy until Bill Murray showed up, and mm-hmm. then that they worked off of each other. But that was his his whole point. Like Tallahassee had a line. He was like, "God damn it, Bill fucking Murray! Mm-hmm. I had to get that out. I don't mean to gush. This is so surreal. I mean, you probably get this all the time. Maybe not lately. I mean, I'm such a huge <laughs> fan of yours. You know, I swear, I've seen every one of your movies a million times. I even love your dramatic roles and, and just everything. Six people left in the world, and one of them is Bill fucking mm-hmm. Murray. I know that's not your middle name. I've been watching you since I was." Like, since I could masturbate, I mean, I know that's not connected. <laughs> you know, it's like he just goes on like little rants and like watching him do that. I'm like, was that written or are you going on a little, a little rant a right little now? Improvisation yeah, yeah, type a little, thing. A little, a little improv right now. Yeah. But yeah, like he like undoubtedly like that is the one character that does bring uh, dialogue humor. See, yeah. You know? And Woody Harrison does that. But like this, this isn't like this is a comedy genre. Right, like this is a thing for comedy, and yeah. so like only one of your characters is really bringing the funny. Where like Jesse Eisenberg tries to portray that neurotic thing funny. Oh yeah. But what ends up happening is it comes off as unbelievable and completely unfunny to me. Like yeah. Jesse Eisenberg's character was probably the worst part of this movie for me. Whoa! I did not like. Like I, I was okay with him at the beginning. But it's just like the way that they try to portray him, it just didn't oh feel like goodness. anything. Yeah. So like when they make the Zombie Land two, if they replace Jesse Eisenberg, would you be okay with this? No, because it's the character. Yeah. It's not Jesse Eisenberg. It's the character that Jesse Eisenberg is playing. That would be a problem. So like even if they did replace Jesse Eisenberg and they put like Andy Samberg in there, even though Andy Sam Samberg I mean that's the same character. I don't right. know what you're saying. Yeah, they they yeah, can yeah. play the same type of person. But, but even if they put Andy Samberg in there, and he's got... Because Andy Samberg, I think, is one of the funniest people in, like, okay. in the industry. Okay. Uh, and I think that if it will only make it better if he can portray that neurotic, anxious persona believably. That is the only thing that would make Jesse Eisenberg's character funny to me. You didn't believe him that of being nervous and anxious at no. all? No. 
Because I'm the nervous and anxious guy. I know what it feels like. And everything that he was saying in that movie and the way he was portraying those things mm. just didn't feel correct. It just felt... I felt alienated by the movie by trying to put a neurotic, anxious dude. You, you might be too close to this movie to, yeah, to like watch it thing. like the the big picture. Like it's like focusing in on the the character that yeah. you you relate to very much. Well, I don't relate. The thing is, I don't relate to him. The thing is, like like mm. the the stereotype of him. But yeah, they, they're is, making a stereotype of a character that yeah. you don't relate to, so it takes you out of the rest of the movie. Well, no, it doesn't. It, the thing is, like that's just one of the reasons why I don't like the movie. Like Jesse Eisenberg's character, the whole neurotic persona thing. It just like he didn't sell it the way that he saw the neurotic, anxious persona in the social network. Mm. You know, in the social network, that persona works because they're taking advantage of it. And here, that persona doesn't work for me because they're just using it as the punchlines to like a few specific jokes mm. and they don't really do a whole lot. And also, like, the narration for Jesse Eisenberg, because we, we are following Jesse Eisenberg, mm -hmm. it is his character yep. thing. But the narration for Jesse Eisenberg tells us that he's this neurotic, anxious, always been panicky of everything type thing. Yep. But we don't really see the panic apart from him speaking quickly, shaking a little bit, and then sort of going on weird tangential rants. Mm -hmm. and, and, and for someone that's phobic of everything around him, that's not the guy. That's not it. Mm -hmm. That is not the character that you told me I was getting at the beginning of the movie. I, I don't think this yeah. movie is like... Uh, deep enough for that. Like none of those characters have any kind of depth, really. It's like they, I can, I can. Uh, the only part that I can like kind of agree on is that at least if you're gonna try to do something, at least do it better, mm -hmm. you know. But it's just like there's not much depth to even like Woody Harrelson's character. Like none of them have and any depth at that, all. I don't think they need depth. Mm -hmm. It just, it's just like that persona didn't register as a real, but like the stereotype of uh, Woody Harrelson's mm -hmm. character, like. Like that's funny because that's an exaggeration mm -hmm. of an existing stereotype. Yeah. That is someone that exists that has been blown out of proportion. Yep. Jesse Eisenberg doesn't is not that. Jesse Eisenberg is just someone pretending to be nervous. You know what I'm saying? Instead of like, I mean, I, I believe that character exists though. Yeah. Well, it, I I don't. I don't. I, I really mean, that's don't. The, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like you feel like they're making a, an, an example of they're trying to make an example of something and they're getting it wrong, as opposed to I'm feeling like they got something right. You know, it's like, I, I don't see a person that is similar to me. I see a nervous person. You're like, I see a person that they're trying to mock me and they're getting it wrong. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think it's the mocking thing. Like, I'm not, I didn't get defensive at, at Jesse Eisenberg's character. Mm. I just didn't buy him. I didn't believe it. I didn't okay. think that that was a person that exists. I you know? definitely believe you know? so. And like, and, I mean, but all right. How about, how, okay. Tell me you don't believe that a person exists because I can't go back and make up that I like you. You know how I say I'm always prepared for everything. I was mm -hmm. like, when I walk out of a door, I'm not going to get smacked in the face with a, a bird when I open the door right. because I'm going to prepare for that. And he was like going through these little shits, like, oh, you go ahead and, into the uh, the back room. I'm going to check this door real quick. Yeah. Opens the door, props a little box right there just to make sure. It's That's just like that. it's like I'm not that guy, but it's mm -hmm. like I know that guy is an the actions. Person. The actions yeah. that he does yeah. are of a guy yeah. that exists. Yeah, but like. The mannerisms, the portrayal yeah. Yeah. of him. The only thing you get is the shaking. Yeah, it's I can just definitely you get the that. shaking nervousness. From an actor, from an acting yeah. standpoint. From an acting standpoint, it's mm. just not a good performance. Okay, I think I, I, I get uh, with you on that. Like the character, sure, whatever you can, yeah. like that person. There are people that do that. Yeah, yeah. But from a performance perspective, I, can, I don't think he captured what that character would have done. Yeah. And so the things that would make that character funny mm. don't land to me. Because, like, a funny thing for that character to do would be, like, when he popped open the, the door and put the box in there. Yeah. Like, a truly, truly nervous character... Would have checked it again. Would have not only checked it again, 
would have ma- popped his head Tear out of the door. Make sure, yeah. make sure there's nothing outside. Mm-hmm. Go back inside. Take a half step. Go back. Make, make sure. sure there's nothing again. Mm-hmm. Then go back into the frame. Yeah. Then go back into the scene. That's what would have happened if that person was there. So I didn't yeah. buy it, and it, it didn't land. It wasn't funny to me. It I, was just like it was just like a half-ass neurotic, you know. I, I I agree with that. Like I didn't I didn't put a lot of stock into Jesse Eisberg's character, mm-hmm. although he is the main character, right. <laughs> you know, the one that's carrying the movie. But I didn't put as much stock into um, his acting. But yeah, I'll, that's very true and good points. Yeah. You know, and then the the Emma Stone was fine for the most part. It was just like. I knew what her character was, and I knew what it was going to be. Yeah, and I wasn't, I wasn't interested. I'm so happy that like Emma Stone is taking the place of what Lindsay Lohan should have been. <laughs> like I am so happy about that. Odd sentence. No, because like, she, like <laughs> Lindsay Lohan was the shit for so long, and mm-hmm. then it was like she's going to make a comeback one day. And then it was like, nope, easy A. We got us a new Lindsay Lohan, and she's been like taking the role ever since. And like seeing her in in this with Abigail and Jesse, and more importantly for me was Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. Like that she's able to like hold her own with seasoned like veteran actors. Yeah. You know, somebody such as like Woody Harrelson. Um, what's another like huge line that I was liking from um, from the movie is uh, Columbus. It was like Tallahassee firmly believes that you have to blow off steam in yeah. Zombieland, or else you'll lose what's left of your mind. Well, if it makes him happy and it keeps him from using that crowbar on me, then I'll say, "Hey, go ape shit," you know. And that's just like another metaphor that I think of for like life. And we talk about that a lot, yeah. just like just being stressed the fuck out, and then it just boils up and boils up, and then it gets let out in like a wrong kind of way, right. as opposed to like Tallahassee. He doesn't have like the same kind of rules. He's just like, hey, if I get frustrated enough, then I'm going to fuck some shit up. And then I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be okay. Right. And yeah, I'll be okay be after fine. that. Yeah. So, so it's like, I like a lot of like the overarching metaphors of life and mm-hmm. maybe even allegory to that point, you know, of what, how, how we're living now and how we could be living. Like I said, that's why I comparison to, yeah. um, to Idiocracy. And I do like that about the movie. Yeah. I, I do like the, I don't like the plot of the movie, but I like the, I like what the movie's trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy that. Yeah. Um, but even when it comes to moments like that, it just comes to, like, for me, I think my dislike for this movie comes from the filmmaking standpoint. Mm. And it's just like, like, in that point when Woody Harrison's, when Jesse says that, it's just like, uh, blow off some scene, whatever. And Woody Harrison starts, like, beating the shit out of that van. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't feel the emotion in that scene. From Woody? Like, the, from Woody or from Jesse. Because there was mm. two ways that you could play that. You could play that as, like, stepping into Woody's POV. Mm. Uh, in terms of like emotional, uh, like emotional POV, yeah. and then doing some aggressive editing, and then making sure that we feel like he really is blowing out some steam, and that uh, all, and Jesse Eisenberg's in the back going like, "Oh fuck, you know, yeah. whatever." You could have done that, and you yeah. could have stepped into Jesse Eisenberg's POV, yep. and then just like they did it, kept it in a huge wide shot, yeah. and then made it as uncomfortable as it would be for Jesse Eisenberg's character to watch that. Yeah. But then what they did was kind of like a half ass between the two. Where like they kept the wide shot and they mm. try to make Woody Allen look really aggressive, but there was no moment after the release of aggression that let us know that we were in Jesse Eisenberg's POV mm. and that it was supposed to be an awkward moment. So what I got was just kind of like an awkward rage that didn't fit like it fit. Either. It didn't feel like it fit either POV. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Like, as far as, because uh, I, I wasn't, the awkwardness wasn't there and the tension wasn't, wasn't there, there either, yeah. you know, but it's like, I think the movie does that throughout the entire thing. They don't really hit on anything but super what, well. And, and what that comes off to me yeah. is just like, they didn't have a good enough or solid enough script or character driven mm. script for a movie that is almost entirely character driven. 
You know, that's what it comes off as to me. I'll, I'll look at it like the uh, the other side, like the half is glass, uh, the uh, glass is half full. It's like this is a half full glass either way that we're looking at it, mm-hmm. you know, because this is not a super, super duper great movie. But uh, the way I'm looking at it is like, okay, they have no budget. Mm-hmm. And the way I know they have no budget because the end of their movie is set inside of a theme park. Mm-hmm. And it's like usually that's where you're set, where most of your money is going to be going like the last 30 minutes of your movie. Right, yeah. So the last 30 minutes of your movie is at a theme park. How much did it cost to rent out that theme park? Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like this, this is where your movie is going or um when they're inside of a um like a convenience store Mm -hmm. and they blow some of their budget by like throwing around some um some snow globes Mm -hmm. and uh destroying some stuff it's like okay five thousand dollars worth on this day so they had a very small budget so it's like they only had a script a few actors that decided that this script was good enough to make even with without a budget and they went and go went and did the shit so it's like i'm like i said i'm still looking at it as this is not a full glass but it's just like Okay, for and what like, you had, you did good for what you had. Right, and but the the reason that I don't want to defend that, the reason why I'm like against that thought, mm. is because they did well enough for what they had. Yeah. But what they had could have been better. Sure. If they had just done a little bit more, you know, mindful editing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it could have been like an eight, nine, or a ten movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, I agree and, with that. Because Edgar Wright... Um, doesn't have massive budgets or didn't have massive budgets not early he on. made mm-hmm. hot fuzz yeah and hot fuzz uh Shaun of the dead they mm-hmm. didn't have massive budgets no. but let's take Shaun of the dead it's a fucking zombie movie isn't it? Yeah. and they're trying to get to a place that's safe the entire movie it's the mm-hmm. same basic substructure mm-hmm. of the movie zombie apocalypse survivors get somewhere safe yeah but the reason why i think Shaun of the dead works really well as a comedy is because not only are the characters more in depth, like we see them more in depth, mm. and we sort of understand the motivations and a little bit of their like trauma mm. behind them, the editing for that movie supports the tonality of the movie. Mm. The editing of that movie is what gives you the idea that like, while this is a very dramatic situation, mm. uh, you're supposed to be having fun with it. You're supposed to be having fun with the tension in this mm. scene. The knife hitting the light and then the sort of like the light shining on the dad's eyes that's a moment that would wouldn't be funny otherwise but from the way that the scene is built you know that that nice thing is because he doesn't like the dad and it's foreshadowing to know that he's gonna have to attack the dad at some point in that knife scene you know what i'm saying which which knife scene he's standing in the kitchen with his mom and then the the stepfather and then sort of like he's holding a knife because he thought there was a zombie in the house but it turns out to be the stepfather Hmm. and then the the joke is that he almost killed the stepfather thinking it was a zombie but throughout the movie, he hates the stepfather. Like, he just hates him. So the, there's, like, a dramatic cue where, like, a spot of sunshine hits the knife, and it hits the eyes of the, like, of the stepfather. And so, like, you know, like, those tiny little moments that are, like, they build tension between mm-hmm. the characters. So then you have a relief of that tension when either the stepfather dies or Sean has to kill him mm-hmm. or whatever. So, like, those, like, details build the tonality of the movie. Mm-hmm. And what Zombieland was missing on was those character details that built the tonality. And we got a little bit of those, like, mm-hmm. in the moment with the moped when the, he meets Woody Harrison. Oh, yeah. That was an amazing moment. That's probably my favorite moment in the film. Because you knew what Woody Harrison was the moment you saw him. First thing. Yeah, first thing. You knew exactly oh, yeah. what he was, and you knew exactly what was going to happen. And that's not, not exactly what was going to happen, but you knew what to expect from that character, mm. you know? But Jesse Eisenberg, I didn't know if he was going to shoot Harrison. You know, I didn't know if he was going to, like... Well, the, the, the thing is, but, like, like talking about from, like, a performance perspective, like, okay. Woody Harrison walked up and he owned that shit. Mm. Jesse Eisenberg showed up to that scene and he was a total wild card in yeah. terms of, like, 
well, is he going to play it serious? Is he going to play it for jokes? Is he going to play it anxious? What's he going to play it as? You know, so, like, those are the those are the moments to me that, like, took down the movie a, a, a huge amount. Uh, there was, I forget the line that he said. Oh, he was like, oh, when he missed me, he's like, here's the deal. I'm not easy to get along with, and I'm sensing you're a bit of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it was like, yeah, it's like, you know exactly what Tallahassee is, and Tallahassee knows exactly what Jesse is, mm-hmm. and Je- I think Jesse very much knows who he is yeah, in, yeah. in himself, too. But it was like, aside from the uh, acting, you know, along, um, mm-hmm. part, but um, but yeah, Jesse, Jesse I, I think my favorite parts of the movie were between Jesse and Tallahassee and him just trying to... Uh, usher him into I don't maybe adulthood or trying to help him with uh, with Emma Stone's character mm-hmm. you know along with that and him just trying to figure it out on his own too and looking at Woody Harrelson as a bit of a father figure of in a sense because mm. I mean this is essentially what they do they just cha- turn into a family yeah, yeah. you know I mean that what we see a lot with uh, television sitcoms and movies is just individuals looking to try to come together and find a family a home mm-hmm. and somewhere that they belong. And essentially, I feel like that's where at the end, and he he has an opportunity to leave. You know, yeah. um, she pulls over. She was like, "All right, here's a truck. There, everybody sleep in the back seat. I'll just let you go." And then he's like, "Well, fuck. Like, where am, where am I gonna go? That's gonna be better than the people that I'm with right now yeah. that I've only known for like a day or two. You know, but where am I gonna go off on my own? You know, and that's it. it like, I just love the the parallel and the metaphor of what America has become." And what it is like to be in a quote unquote zombie land mm-hmm. and how to defend yourself in, in this type of environment. Like that's more so than the movie that I like. I love the idea of the movie right. even more than I like the actual movie. The actual movie. And I can see that. And mm. I can see that. Because I I'm definitely judging the movie as a movie. Like mm. I'm not talking about the ideas yeah, yeah, of yeah. the movie song. Yeah. So like, but it's an okay movie that could have been massively better had they had had they thought about some visual comedy, you know? They could they could have went visual. I mean, the only visual stuff, like I said, was the uh, like the text on screen coming up yeah. and then interacting with actual people there. They played that for comedy a few times with the uh, the cardio uh, ringing up. He runs around the first time, say, mm-hmm. cardio, rule one, come back around, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it was like, so, I mean, they, they used it for comedy a few times, but, like, not heavy-handed. Right. And I, I just got to see examples of people taking from that ever since that movie. Like, when you see Scott Pilgrim, heavy-handed, like, they're using it everywhere. Uh, well, it, and I think also, like, like Scott Pilgrim committed to that aesthetic. Hells, yeah. Zombieland presented that aesthetic, yeah. yep. but didn't commit to it. Yeah. They were just kind of like, well, this is a fun thing we're throwing out there. Yep. But Scott Pilgrim just went like, fuck that. Oh. That is all of our aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a difference in what creates tonality. Because if Zombieland had that aesthetic presented with the strength that Scott Pilgrim had, mm-hmm. it would have had the—I mean, it would have had to be more inherently visual. Yeah. It would have created a movie where they had to think about where that would land, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like that—that that suits detriment of the film. They just didn't have that—that that thought, you know, mm-hmm. or that like that that level of um, comedy building. I would say. Uh, let's see. I think that's all the quotes and things. You got anything else for... Yeah, I think the, the only other thing that I have also is uh, I had a problem with Emma Stone's character and, like, what she meant for the plot. It's very, it's very sort of, like, she really only exists... For Jesse? For Jesse's character, you know? And the sister. And, uh, well... The sister's dead without her. I mean, true, but the only reason that she's in the plot is so that because Jesse's attracted to her. To help Jesse grow and, uh, you know, become more than he is already. Yeah. But I don't feel like she's strong enough as a character in her own right to believe. Mm-hmm. I feel like she exists, like her existence in that movie 
is only because Jesse Eisenberg needed something to someone to be attracted to to carry the plot uh, of the movie. I mean, she was pretty strong. Like she was able to. We've seen how strong of a character Woody Harrelson was and his survivability. And it's not about it's not about the strength. It's about the context in which we, she exists in the movie. I mean, what's uh, like an example of her just like not being because like I'm, I'm just saying like even if you can put any any beautiful woman there that that doesn't mean they're going to have like the tactic ability to be able to outsmart someone like a Woody Harrelson two and three times in a row or be able to like protect her her uh, her sister throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mean, she's she's a very intelligent, you know, female character. It's like yeah, if they yeah, would have yeah. made her like dumb as shit, like she would have been like dumb, beautiful, and just there, like like in Baby Driver, like and you know I love Baby Driver, mm-hmm. but that character, that woman that was there for mm-hmm. uh, for Baby, like I felt like she was just a throwaway character. Right. But like Emma Stone is like at least they made her to where she she has a brain of her own and she's her own individual. To where it's like I didn't feel any negativity like to how they wrote her at I, all. I, I think that I think that my problem is just like because she only exists in the context of Jesse Eisenberg's attraction. Because she is like because every time that she's in a conversation with Jesse Eisenberg or she's in a shot with Jesse Eisenberg, the entire point of her is that he wants to have sex with her. He does. And that's kind of like the entire point. Of whenever they're those two are around like not whenever those are interacting, but like that's the only reason she's in the script because Jesse's attraction to her is what generates attention mm. of the third act when he goes over to find her over at the thing mm. where she becomes the damsel in distress. Yep. And so, like, our man becomes a hero because he had to save a woman. Save the damsel, yeah. You know? And so, like, I just... It's not inherently problematic. It's not offensively problematic. No. But it's something that, for me... It just doesn't you want, register you want, anymore. You want her to... to Like, all right, so, like, I, I guess my baseline was, mm-hmm. like don't be offensive and you're like nope that we should be going past not being offensive how about purpose yeah yeah like, 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 like yeah. we should have her like fine if jesse eisenberg goes over to help her in that situation mm. and whatever but we have to subvert the expectation that the only reason that jesse or the only reason that she exists was to help jesse become stronger mm. you know she doesn't really change no same woody doesn't either yeah, yeah. um they're just like, for him you know, like, I just want them to have a little bit more purpose be- besides being the damsel in distress that the man eventually saves mm. and then eventually gets to have sex with as a reward for saving her. It's Yeah, yeah. I mean, I understand, like, and especially, like, when you're writing characters and, like, Woody Harrelson, he doesn't have much, like I said, doesn't have much purpose besides, you know, mm. help helping the main character. And a lot of movies that aren't rated that highly, you get that to where they're just generic. You need these type of characters mm. to help our protagonist, you know, eventually reaches mm. character arc. But even Woody, you get the idea that he's just running away from the death of his son. You know? I don't yeah. think I got any of that. You didn't get any, like, father-son stuff with Jesse? No, no, no. Like, not really. Not particularly. What? Not particularly. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I got three examples. Yeah. All right. Um, first one was um, him looking, him idolizing Woody. He was like, uh, whenever you see him going to a kick-ass mode, it's full Hulk, Hulk mode. And just like idolizing how he's like with a banjo. Yeah. And he's idolizing like how he's able to kick ass and wishing that he was able to kick ass like that. Right. Another instance and when um, uh, they're inside the, uh, the snow globe place or whatever. And then he was like, all right, I'm going w- to, I would kick wholesale ass for what you just did. He sprayed some like clone on the yeah. back of his neck. He was like, I would normally kick wholesale ass for less than that. But for you, I give you 45% of strength. And he hits him one time mm-hmm. and he knocks over something and it breaks. And then Emma sees it. 
and it was about to be an embarrassing moment for him. Mm -hmm. So he turns it around and was like, no, no, break another one, mm -hmm. as if he did it on purpose to try to help him help him out like a father figure type thing. Yeah. The third example, uh, probably got away from myself. Yeah, but it's just like, there's, <laughs> there's just a number of opportunities there to where it's just like, I've seen that they're trying to show like a father-son aspect mm -hmm. and the family dynamic. So it's like, yeah, but for me, those moments didn't come off as father-son. They just came off as people learning how to be friends with each other. You know? Okay. Like, because that was a bonding moment for everybody mm. in that in that scene. It was yeah. for the little sister. It was for Emma Stone. Yeah. And it was for Jesse and Woody Harrison's character. So, like, it wasn't necessarily, like, a, I don't think it was necessarily, like, a teaching moment from father or son. It was a teaching moment of, like, hey... Stay away from your rules a little bit and enjoy the little things, you know? What about, like, um, with Woody Harrelson and Abigail? Like, I was still That was seeing... a more father-daughter yeah. relationship than Jesse Eisenberg. Well, I'm, I'm looking at Woody Harrelson's character. Like, if, if, I, if I decide, if, we, if, 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 if it is a family, if we decide mm -hmm. that this is a, a family dynamic that we're going for, and then we're putting Woody Harrelson in the father role, mm -hmm. then any time that I see him interacting with any of the three characters then I'm seeing him as a father father figure and them as, like, the children underneath them. So it's like you'll see him and um, him and Emma Watts and him and Emma Stone in a scene together. And then he's, like, having all kind of fun and listening to music and dancing and cutting loose. He gets down on the couch, and he goes, hey, help me with my boots. Help yeah. me out with my boots. And then Emma Stone looks at him. She's like, no. nah. <laughs> and just walks off. You know, so it was like, all right, so that's the dynamic. Like, there's no sexual tension there. Nothing happening there. There's no interest. you just a father-type dude. Like, no, bro. Like, fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah. For like, me, it didn't come up as father figure. It just came up as friends. They they become a family at the end. Yeah. Sure, they become like a like a chosen family type yeah. of unit. Sure, but it just the that dynamic didn't land for me. Everybody kind of existed just for the benefit of Jesse, and they didn't have anything e beyond themselves. Je Je what about the? I'm saying Woody Harrelson and the little girl when she's talking about Hannah Montana in the car. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, she's only famous when she has the blonde wig on. Mm -hmm. Then she's Hannah Montana. He was like, okay, all right, you know, whatever. And then he was like, hold on, you don't know who Woody Bill knows. Murray is? Yeah. And she was like, what? Who's Bill Murray? He's like, Bill Murray, that's like not knowing who Gandhi is. He's <laughs> like, who's Gandhi? And he was like, well, she's 12. You know, <laughs> so it's like that type of thing, too. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe we just see it a little bit different, Woody. but I, I felt like that's they were specifically going for that. Yeah, for, for mm -hmm. me, that really came off as just like people learning how to be like together not mm. necessarily familiarity you know? yeah. um so sure but my biggest problem with emma, emma stone's character was that mm. is that she didn't really exist outside of jesse eisenberg's character mm. and then and it, like that scene where they're drinking wine together weirded me out mm. for some reason okay like because there hasn't been like sure they've interacted but there hasn't really been any moment in the film nope. where she hinted that she was romantically interested mm. in him so suddenly she's just like, hey, I'm going to go flirt with this guy for a bottle of wine. Yeah. And then she's like, well, what the fuck? Where did that come from? I mean, it lasts no, nobody else on earth. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you got you to gotta do something. So like those those tiny moments kind of bother me from the movie. But that, the, my most, my biggest problem with the movie is filmmaking. Mm. I just feel like they, they, they wasted a lot of potential on what could have been a really solid zombie comedy movie. Okay. By subverting the tropes of zombie movies. And sort of instead of like jumping into them, mm. subverting them, and then created something that's a little bit more in depth, and that works even a little bit more as a metaphor of what you're thinking of mm. as a metaphor for. So those are kind of my, that's kind of my my things against the movie. All right. right. That being overrated.
I, yeah, I think we have the same issues with it. And like I said, I came in here to tear this movie down because, it, like I said, it's it's a nine out of ten on Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't believe that to be true. And my reasons for when was, I Google that, I was just like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, like, nine. No. Yeah, and it was like, no. And it's like that's that's why I was like, I was come here to tear it down. And I wish I would have had a lot more about how much I loved it. Mm-hmm. But um, even with that, I'm, I look at it as a glass half full movie, and I'm taking this down to a seven. Seven. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a four. I'm gonna give it a four. It's a fun movie. You get to turn your brain off with it. Mm. But it's just everything about it seems below average to me. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess that's it. We'll be back and talk about uh, television and movies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway. Welcome back, uh, television and movie premieres. All right. Uh, this week in television and movie premieres, starting from Tuesday, November the 6th through Monday, November the 12th. Uh, the first thing is going to be Friday, November the 9th. I believe this one's going to do you well, Ron. Mm-hmm. The Great British Baking Show. There's another one? Yes, Already? it is. On Netflix this Friday, November the 9th. Fuck yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> I fucking love The Great British Baking Show yeah. so much. It's coming back. God, I watched that season in like a week. Just oh, yeah. shoved that all in my face. There's going to be like at least 10 more episodes. So oh, that, I'm so into it. That's going to be back on so Netflix this Friday, November 9th. The Great British Baking Show. I was really sad because this the season that just happened, there was a really great Russian-British baker. She was like British and Russian. And her name was Julia. And she was fucking lovely. Julia. And I was really sad to see her go like week seven because oh. I wanted her to win. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. What does she focus? What does she make? Uh, they kind of they kind of have to make everything in the thing, but she excelled particularly in like savory Ooh. types type mm-hmm. of breads and mm-hmm. sort of Russian British fusion pastries. Russian British fusion. Yeah. What in the name? Yeah. How, I don't how. What? She used a lot of like what would be traditional Russian flavors, like Russian spices, okay, and and and, and Russian seasonings and and all that kind of stuff with methods that are traditionally British. So like if she were mm. to make like a like a like a pigeon kidney pie or something, mm. she would season it with Russian with like Russian ingredients flavors and, stuff. Yeah. and Russian spices mm. and all that, but then do it in the traditional British way. Yeah. So it's just, just this interesting dynamic of food. It's yeah. awesome. Are you familiar at all with like Russian food? Uh, no, not a me neither. Thing. Like, I just I, know. Uh, I think I, I've heard pierogies, but I also think they're Polish, so I'm not entirely sure. Oh yeah, you I don't know? know. It's just like, but I'm not. I really want to try Russian food. I would. It's interesting. I don't know anything about it, like at all. I don't know what their spices are, their seasonings. Are are they spicy? Are they like I don't know? They use a lot of, from what I saw from her, they use a lot of like earthy, grassy spices. Okay. So like that's that's kind of be like like your cardamom and your Mm. turmeric and like your root spices, kind of. Yeah, that's kind of what I I get the vibe from them. I'll mess with some Russian food. Like I, you don't even see that out anywhere. There's not no. like a Russian food truck anywhere. Nope. You know, it's like nope. I don't see it anywhere. A lot of Mexican food trucks. Like. A lot of Mexican food trucks. Like you can get Indian food, you can get Asian food, you can get all ah, kinds of food. Indian food is so good. Love I, Indian food. I would not know. Yeah, you have to try it at some point. I, I guess I will at some point. I can identify. Like if I can't identify something, like if I'm with you and then you put something in front of me, you'll be like, hey, this is this. This mm-hmm. has this, this, this. Well, you were, um, I think it was like your mom's sister made something like a plantain or something. Like yeah. it was wrapped in stuff, but you was like the ingredients, like it takes three days to make. Then this ground oh, up. Patella, yeah. Yeah, patella. Yeah. It was like if I'm if I'm somewhere and somebody just hands me this, then I'm like, no, get the fuck out of my face. Right. You know, but like with you, it's like you're able to explain like how this is made with the process of it and everything. Thing and I'm like, yo, hell yeah. yeah. I think, well, that's the important thing about food. I know mm. it's a fucked up tangent, but that's the important thing about food is yeah. that, like, 
the person that you are feeding, you have to talk to them about the process of the thing that you're feeding them yeah, with. Yeah. Because then that's the then it becomes an experience yes. and not just something that you're eating. Yep. You're learning about another culture. Yep. You're absorbing how the culture uses their flavors and their spices yep. and why some of those spices are used that way. Yep. So like that's an interesting thing yep. about food. Oh, yeah. And if anyone takes you out to eat to a place that you haven't eaten before and they don't explain it to you, mm-hmm. fuck them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, hey, try this. What yeah. is it? I don't know. Just try this. You're like, no, fuck that. Because yeah. like, it might even be good, but it's just like the brain, the part in your brain that's just like, oh, it's different. It's, I don't know. No. Fuck that. Like I'll see curry, like back to the Indian food. Mm-hmm. It's like I'll see people eating like curry and like it'll be like I have a yellowish greenish tint mm-hmm. almost and I'm just like I can't even identify the food in there like I don't know what's going on and right. they and people say they love it and like you were talking about how good it is mm-hmm. too but just like it's not explained to me and it just looks yeah. like weird no, we, to we me have right to go now. get Indian food together I'm uh, with we'll it. bring Louise because Louise loves Indian food okay and but it's, it's it's just like the coloring of all of that shit and the curry is just really all the spices that they use that's what gives it the color okay so like a turmeric based curry would be more yellow than a than a red chili based curry mm. and sort of the curry paste that they do is made with different chilies and different levels of spices and yeah. different ground up things and like that's what gives it all that presentation thing okay it's fucking great, it's fucking hey, I'll, great. I, I'll, let me, I'll roll with you for, for real for real because yeah. like I hear that it's amazing and it's just I can't get out of my, my yeah. shell unless and the fun thing you know. about Indian food is that everyone kind of gets small plates and mm. everybody just kind of like shares nice food so it's, it's really it's really like a good experience yeah. hell yeah man I know all What's right. next? That's uh, but that's the Great British Baking Show. It'll be here Friday, November the 9th. Uh, the next thing, the exact same day, this the 9th, Room 104 on HBO 1130. How does that sound familiar? Uh, this is the Duplass Brothers show. They oh, um, it was yeah. yep. They had the anthology last season. Mm-hmm. Me and Tessa, we watched all of the first season, and it progressively gets worse. <laughs> you know, like it, like it starts off so good, and I'm seeing this trend a lot with the Duplass Brothers as far as their television shows. Like I've, I've loved all their independent movies and movies in mm-hmm. general, but the television shows that they produce, like there's a huge drop-off from the beginning of the seasons to ends of seasons, and from season one till season three, they generally don't make it past three seasons. Okay. You know, but um, I've, I've seen this with an animated show they have called Animals. Mm-hmm. I've seen it from a show they produced that was on Amazon called Togetherness. I've, I've seen it in this show called Room 104, and one other show that they, they've done. Did but, they um, do the league? Or was they, that, they, they, they didn't produce a league. He uh, was, yeah. was acting that, yeah. Right. Yeah, but um, but it's just like Room 104. I highly recommend, like, seriously, like even Brian, you would love Room mm-hmm. 104. The first like three to four episodes of season one, but then everything after that is just like y'all y'all had some good ideas. It's like it felt like y'all had like three good ideas, and, and then, then y'all had to pe- make it on entire yeah, and y'all pitched that, yeah. and there was like hell yeah, we'll get a green light a show, and then they had to figure out a way to make seven other episodes, yeah. you know. So it's like that's that, but. Room 104 is coming back. Season two, they got Mahershala Ali this season. So, um, Mahershala Ali, was um, mi- uh, not Midnight is that the midnight. name? Yeah, 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 midnight. Yeah, 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 hell yeah. Mahershala Ali, he's gonna be in Room 104 this season. So, uh, check them out. Maybe they'll start, you know, the season with a bang. But it's like, I, I wouldn't feel right if I'm recommending Room 104 and then you come back to me and be like, what the fuck? Like, I got to episode six and this is shit and I don't trust your opinion any longer. I'm letting you know up front <laughs> what this is. <laughs> First few episodes. Um, there's a there's a podcaster called Sam Jones. He's mm-hmm. got a podcast called Off Camera with Sam Jones. Okay. And uh, he interviews, like, actors and directors and writers and all that shit, just yeah. artists in general. And he's got a really good episode with Mark Duplass where he talks about his process for like making films yeah. and like why he hasn't made really big budget films mm-hmm. when he's just as sick in the independent filmmaking and yeah. like his philosophy in filmmaking. Yeah. 
And it's a really, really fascinating episode. And I recommend it. Oh, well, yeah, it's really I'll good. Really it good. Straight up. Uh, let's see. That's it for television. We got a few movies coming out. Uh, let's see. The first one is going to be The Girl in the Spider's Web, a new dragon tattoo story. This is uh, rated R, 117-minute runtime. It's a crime drama thriller. A rundown is a young computer hacker and a journalist find themselves caught in a web of lies, cyber criminals, and corrupt government officials. Uh, Claire Foy is the star of it. Lakeith Stanfield's in this one. Yeah. Stephen Merchant is in this. Yeah. Stephen Merchant's fucking great. Hell yeah. And Lakeith Stanfield's fucking great, too. Yeah. I, don't, I, I haven't seen any of the other. Is it the same girl from the other movies? I guess so. Yeah. I haven't seen any of her work. I haven't seen. So I don't know how. I don't know how well she is. I haven't seen the American ones. I've seen. I have what, it in the trunk of my car. Actually. The American ones. Yeah, the girl with, with Daniel Craig. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah, yeah. I've heard they're good. Like I've I've seen one of the um, the original ones. It was like a foreign film. I seen yep. the first one, but I haven't seen these American ones though. I saw um, the David Fincher one, which is the American one. Mm. Uh, it was really solid. The nice. original foreign, I caught glimpses of it, and I liked what I saw. David Fincher directed the first one. That yeah, was the American girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Shit, yeah. I'll, hey, I'll go watch that. It's really real good. Quick. It's really fucking good. I mean, he rung my bell, yeah. David Fincher. <laughs> <laughs> the next, the next movie. This is this one, <laughs> Overlord. I had I had a guy come over to my to my house this week, and then he was like, "Yo, you gonna see the Overlord movie?" And I was like, "What is Overlord?" Mm-hmm. He was like, "Man, it's, 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 I seen a trailer for it. It's gonna be really really good. It's got a nine out of ten on Rotten, no ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes." And I was like, "All right, first of all, Rotten Tomatoes is bullshit." <laughs> and I was like, "If you're saying that it's ninety percent, I said I by the time I click on the computer, it's already gone down. Man. Like that's how they get you." And then sure enough, it was like already eighty eight percent in just the moments of him talking to me. It's already went down. If you if you Google. Overlord, Rotten Tomatoes, guarantee you it's probably like 80% at this point. It's going to continue to go down. The more people are going to see it, it's going to continue to go down. Basically, what I'm trying to say is fuck Rotten Tomatoes. Don't buy into <laughs> their shit. Like, this is, when you, this is when you listen to Rotten Tomatoes. After a movie has been out for like five plus years, when there's nothing else to be made from DVD sales and movie sales, when there's no other, nothing to be made, then, okay, Rotten Tomatoes, are, they're pretty legitimate. You can go and see a movie from five years ago. They're not sitting here screwing around with the rating. Oh, it's a nine. Now it's a seven. Now it's like, no, yeah. it's there. But, like, for now, when a movie's coming out, don't fuck with Rotten Tomatoes. Which one do you use? Do um, you use Metacritic, Metacritic and IMDb. Metacritic and IMDb. Me- yeah, I'll, I'll take an average between those, and then I'll be like, all right, it's somewhere around that. But it's just ridiculous how Metacritic will be like, oh, it's a 7. IMDb like, yeah, it's a 7.2. Rotten Tomatoes, 92% nice. fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, what the fuck? It's like, all right, listen. Did everybody see the same movie? <laughs> like, what's happening here? And then the fact that it's like, and I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that because, like, we were talking about that off off um, off uh, air before mm-hmm. about it's like, if this is your opinion, then it's like, I respect your opinion. I respect that you are holding your opinion. Right. But the fact that they say 92%, then they're like, oh, hey, hey about 89%. How about 80 5%. You know. uh, how about 80? And then it's just like, you never knew what the fuck you were talking about. You didn't even believe that bullshit. You're just sitting here fucking with people. You know, so it's like, that's what I look at Rotten Tomatoes now. I can't respect that. I don't respect that at all. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's like, no. Don't I mess agree. with Rotten Tomatoes. I agree entirely. <laughs> but uh, <That's> Overlord. <laughs> Overlord. It's, uh, it's rated R. It's a 109-minute runtime. It's an action horror mystery science fiction thriller war movie. Goddamn. Too much. Too much. The trailers do look fun. Too much. Yeah. Too much. It's um. It's the story of two American soldiers behind enemy lines on D-Day. The director is Julius Avery and is starring Wyatt Russell, uh, Javon Adipo. I think they're all new people. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm familiar with those people. But yeah, I've been I've been hearing a lot of. Is that J.J. Abrams? Is he producing this? Yes. Yes. Oh. Yes. 
See, I just seen that J.J. Abrams up top. That little that changes things a little bit. Mm, that changes things. It really a little doesn't bit. for me. It doesn't. Not not really. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know. J.J. Abrams a good person in the industry. He's not directing it. Like, no, I'm not mean that he's not directing it. No. Like, he threw his money at yep. it. Yep. And produced it. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I just don't trust what J.J. Abrams. I don't all the way trust it, but it's just yeah. like I tr- I'm I'm more inclined to think yeah. about it now that it's just not four actors I've never heard of and a bullshit Rotten Tomato score. Yeah. You know, so yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Still not gonna see it. I, but I, 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 <laughs> the trailer looks fun. It does. The trailer looks like it like but what I really hated about the trailer is that I'm pretty sure it showed me all of the interesting things that are gonna happen in the yep. movie. That's I just I can feel it. I know what type of movie this is. It's like a fun World War II romp yep. with zombies. It's like if Call of Duty zombies became a movie, that's yep. what I'm going to get about this. Sp- speaking of trailers, yeah. did you see this five-minute-long-ass trailer for Aquaman? No. It's a five-minute Aquaman no. trailer. I'm not going to watch a five-minute Aquaman trailer. Are you going wa- to watch a two-hour Aquaman movie? Maybe. No, <laughs> not gonna do it. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna be able to do it. You just showed me five minutes of this Aquaman, which I felt like is probably gonna be the most entertaining five minutes of it. Yeah. And and on top of that, you know this movie's coming out in December. Yeah. You know what's coming out in December? Everything comes out in December, yeah, as sure. always. You know, so I'm just Man, like DC really picks a bad scheduling. Yeah, yeah they really do. It's like you you want you want to you want to. I guess I wanted to stay away from Infinity Wars. I guess. Yeah. I guess so. But it's just like I, I don't know. It's like I, I'm just I'm really worried about because like, you're not promoting it. You know how many movies are coming out that have been promoted already? And have you been seeing Aquaman promotion though? Because maybe have, it's just actually. okay. Okay, yeah, I, yeah. it's just where, maybe where I'm at. But I haven't. Uh, but I, like I, I don't visit that vlogosphere. Yeah. Like that sphere of the internet. I don't. Fuck with the nerds that yeah. like Marvel and DC and mm-hmm. the internet. Yeah. Because I find them emotionally exhausting and draining. I can understand why. Um, so, like, I haven't been in that sphere yeah. in a long time. Yeah. So, like, maybe they've been promoting the shit out of it. See, I, haven't I, haven't, I haven't seen it. Like yeah. I said, I, I don't know. I saw those, like, they dropped a trailer and I saw it all over Twitter for like three days. Mm. And that's about it. I mean, I've, I've seen the one, I've seen a five minute trailer, yeah. but it's like, as far as like commercials on television, billboards, like ads, it's just like, I don't see like a generating buzz that's yeah. happening for it. Well, but. because they, they've, they fucked up their movie franchises so bad that I'm, a, I'm, I'm convinced that no one wants to spend the marketing budget. Yeah. They just want to, because the more marketing budget you, you spend, the less chance you have of breaking even oh, yeah. on that film. Mm-hmm. And I think that DC just wants the track record to say that they broke even on a film's budget. Yeah. You know, so like they they want to be able to make some money back, so they're not spending the marketing budget that yep. they did for Justice League mm. on Aquaman. You hitting that on those? Yeah. I, I um, can see what you're saying on that. Yeah. But Aquaman seems a fun movie, like a fun character to play with. Yeah. And I saw the costume, and the costume's very like comic book accurate. Yep. And all those things, so it's just like I'm not discarding it. I'm not gonna watch a five minute trailer for it, mm. and uh, maybe I watch a two and a half hour movie. But fucking, you know. I'm, I'm going to have to have, like, when you see it or somebody sees it, come back. Because any of our, like, long-time for film sake listeners mm-hmm. from, like, episode two or three, I was on Aquaman's dick. Yeah, talking about were, how powerful he is. You were right is. in that trident. I'm telling you. So it's like, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to see no Aquaman movie unless people come back. It's like, nope, he powerful as shit. Mm-hmm. He controlling water like he's supposed to. I think he does. I think he you does. Know? That's I all think, I, I think we see him, like... Throw in the trailer, yeah. yeah, yeah, we got to see some of that. <laughs> so it's like I'm like you're supposed to have control of all marine life, mm-hmm. this fucking wall, like everything, man. So it's like you know what, he, you know what would like fuck everybody up? What? If fucking Aquaman just pulled a colossal squid out of somewhere and just fucking like smack the boat with it. Yeah, fuck you. That's it. I mean, Aquaman he could. can do that. He Aquaman could. can do that. Yes. Why hasn't he done that? 
It's a pirate ship, yeah. fucking tentacle to the face. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's it. I mean, there's a lot of interesting yeah. things that they can do with something Aquaman... as vast as the ocean. True, true. <laughs> yeah. What are Aquaman's baddies? Like, what are his bad guys? Oh, uh, he, he fights a lot of the same people that deal with um, Fantastic Four. No, okay. no, 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 no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I'm thinking about the Mariner and shit. Yeah, is that um, like Manta Ray and like... I don't know much yeah. about his his villains. That's interesting. Mm-mm. I gotta look that up. DC, I like I don't... Uh-uh. No. I'm not sure about his villains. That'll probably be some time to just... Whatever. Fucking yeah. uh, Overlord. Yeah, that's Overlord. Yeah. And last but certainly not, not least, The Grinch is coming out. Uh, it's PG, 90-minute runtime. It's an animation comedy. A grumpy Grinch plots to ruin Christmas for the village of Whoville. It's starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Rashida Jones, Angela Lansbury, and Kenan Thompson. Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm seeing this movie. So, yeah. you, you I'm going to pay to see this movie. I, I love The Grinch. Nice. Hell I love The Grinch, man. too. That's a fun movie. You know, it's like I, I love the character arc of The Grinch. It's just like... It's, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm the Grinch, <laughs> but it's like I haven't had that redemption moment yet. Right, yeah. <laughs> you Your know? heart hasn't grown three sizes nope, yet. Nope, it's still it's still that. Oh, y'all don't fuck with me. Well, fuck y'all, and I'm gonna <laughs> show y'all how much fuck you. Yeah, yeah, fuck you. It was like I just haven't had that moment at the end to well, well, yeah, I guess they're not too bad. Yeah. I guess people are okay. <laughs> <laughs> was there an animated Grinch, uh, like a 2D animated Grinch, mm-hmm. the live action yep, Grinch, and this one? And this yeah. one, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. My the one that I've watched. Is the the Jim Carrey? One. I love that. Yeah, it's Jim so Carrey's great. Yeah. yeah, fucking. I'm I, like I'm I'm not excited for it because I'm not a Christmas movie guy. Mm. But like, it just it looks intre- It looks fun. Like yeah. the marketing looks really fun. Yeah, yeah. It's been going a good time. Oh yeah, the Grinch. Kind of the cucumber patch too. Benedict, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I really did have nothing to say about the Grinch. I was like digging around in there to see if I had something. Uh, no, no, it was nothing. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think that's it for today's episode. Yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> uh, so you can find us on Twitter at underscore FFS Podcast. You can find us on Facebook uh, under the name The FFS Podcast. Yeah, on Facebook at The FFS Podcast. And then uh, you can find us on Google Play Music app, iTunes Podcast app, Stitcher, and pretty much every other podcasting app that you have. And uh, my personal Twitter handle is at Brian Achia. I'm at THA underscore V-O-N-Z. Hey. hey. And that's it for today's episode, and we will see you guys next week. Don't listen to Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, fuck around, fuck around tomatoes. Yes. Yeah, they're not good. You say tomatoes? Yeah, tomatoes. I said tomatoes. Tomatoes. You say tomatoes. <laughs> I, I tomatoes. say tomatoes. All right. We should just call the whole thing on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs>